You're listening to Screening in Kingston right here on CFRC. Don't forget that right now is the CFRC funding drive. For all the information on how you can contribute to your local radio station, visit CFRC.ca. Without help from people just like you, great programming like Screening in Kingston wouldn't be here. We know times are hard right now, but every little bit helps. Visit CFRC.ca to participate in this year's funding drive for some great prizes and so much more. And now, Screening in Kingston. Of our movie club, how is everybody feeling? Fatigued. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, goodness. Hey, now, Taylor, I was going to say that it's been a nice break to have two additional voices, so we have to talk less. Oh, but no. You, you're feeling fatigued? Uh, just from the movie watching, I love oh. not having to talk as much as normal for the last <laughs> four <laughs> weeks. <laughs> That's been great. I should, that makes me sound like I hate doing the show. I love doing the show. <laughs> I hope our listeners know that. But, um, Mike, we've talked about this before. Like, we are very consistent with recording, and we only mm-hmm. take a couple weeks off around Christmas. Okay. And otherwise, like, we plow through every week. Every single week. And yeah. so it was nice to take a little bit of, uh, like, a vocal break. Um, but these, it was a schlog getting through these movies. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> very good Tyler Uh, and Nicole like because they're the reason that it was a fog we are responsible for this yeah I I would like to say for the record that uh Neon Demon and um it's like what did Jack do weren't necessarily walks in the park either for us oh no I know (laughs) oh but what did Jack do I'm is 100% Nicole's fault my fault Absolutely. What? So we, we would never have even we would never have even done this if Nicole didn't say or like when Nicole Taylor and I were chatting around the TIFF episode this year, um, if Nicole hadn't said, yeah, I'd be down. We should do a Tyler and me versus Taylor and Mike thing. And and that's why we got here, because I just Googled experimental film because I don't know anything about it and found what Jack do. So, yes, <laughs> if you trace it back. Nicole can be found at the origin of all of this. And if you're going to trace it back even further, I suppose it's like it comes down to the age-old her smell argument that has been. Oh, for sure, her smell kicked all of us off. That's true. So really, so really, it's it's the fault of Tyler (laughs) if you really think about it. Because if Tyler never put up a fight about her smell, we would never be here. Yeah, her smell is not the worst. I'm just going to say. But that is not the movie we're reviewing today. <laughs> no, it's not. No, we're not going to talk about her smell. I'm sure I'm sure it'll come up because it always does. Um, <laughs> but today we're talking about the final film in our experimental uh, film movie club, Mouthpiece, um, available from CBC Gem, which it was really nice to use that app again. It's a free app for those of you who don't have it. We've used it before. It's got a lot of amazing movies and shows on it. Go check it out. I mean, it is Canadian, so little bias there but it's great it's it's really great to use it again and this was selected by nicole so we're we're finally at the final movie and and this is nicole's film uh and i i don't know i mean it's going to be a really interesting conversation i'm really interested to see what each of you have so let's start with let's start with nicole why don't we you know do the same thing we've done every week just explain to us where you kind of came up with the idea to pick this one and take us through a little bit about the movie from your perspective and then we'll just dive into it Sure, yeah. So this uh, movie is Canadian. It's directed uh, by Patricia Rosema, who I didn't do this on purpose, but let's just say I did for fun. She is from Kingston. Um, So there's our Kingston tieback. And it premiered at TIFF in, I believe, 2018. It's based on a play um, by the two lead actresses, Nora Sadova and Amy Nosbakken. And they wrote this play and it premiered um, and the play is completely different from the film. And uh, Patricia Rosema ended up working on the adaptation. It premiered at the Theatre Centre in Toronto, which is a big kind of uh, theatre hub in the city. And then also, um, it was also staged at Nightwood Theatre, which is another big, like, indie hub in Toronto. Um, and Jodie Foster saw it here and brought it to L.A. And that's kind of where it uh, kind of took off but yeah the, the movie is is adapted from a play and 
I just really, I saw it a couple of years ago, not at TIFF, um, but at the Lightbox, and I uh, got to hear a Q&A with the, the two creators of the show, which was awesome, and yeah, I just, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. It was a year where I was very much into the idea of motherhood and death, and those two ideas completely married well in this movie. Mm, very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, you just brought up a lot of information um, <laughs> that that I kind of want to get into a little bit. First, I did not know that the director was from Kingston. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea. That's that's really fascinating. Um, I did know this was based on a play. And you're, you're saying that the play is quite different than this adaptation, this movie? Yeah, so from I, I have not seen the play, um, but from what I understand, I had a lot of friends who like auditioned for it and did see it. Um, and it was two, it was, um, it was the two actresses. So, uh, Amy Nosbakin and Nora Sadova, it was the two of them in a bathtub on a stage. And it was a lot of talking. There was a lot more words. Um, and it was a lot of like movement, I understand, um, and choreographed movements and, and such. So, um, apparently when they were adapting, um, they did have to take a lot of, dialogue out yeah i mean i I just i'm so fascinated by that because while i was watching this like knowing it was based on a play all i was thinking about was what i was like wow i'd love to see how they staged this like Mm -hmm. it would be very interesting because at times there were moments where i was like this is very stagey this is very like play like yeah in the way it's it's being directed in the way it's moving not not in a bad way at all like in in a good way but i i was thinking like this would be such an interesting idea for how to see it done on stage. It's, it's fascinating that it's just the two of them in a bathtub and it's very movement driven as opposed to all this stuff that was in the movie. That's, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I would cool. love to see the play. Yeah. Very what, cool. What you thought was maybe a good thing, Mike, I did not. Okay. <laughs> like, I was okay. like, Oh, they're like acting. Like, right like you know like it was like to me it was like stage acting which personally like for me doesn't translate well to film so even like yeah. some of the dialogue i was like oh people don't talk like that <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little hard for me but i know both i don't know tyler's background but mike and nicole both come from theater backgrounds so i'm sure like maybe you like that <laughs> no i didn't I, so it's funny that you say that and I, on my rewatch I was like oh yeah it's much more theatery than I remembered it being uh so I agree with you on that because so all of these actors like even the mom so the mom is not a character in the play like she was added for the for the movie and that's Mav Beatty and she's like a theater actor she is like I saw her in a play last year she's very theater and that I mean, like to me, that doesn't mean that anybody did like a poor job of acting, but just the way that people were talking is just not how people talk in real life. Yeah, it definitely but, felt like they were like delivering dialogue. I think that one of the reasons why I didn't mind it as much in this movie is because it kind of the whole thing felt so surreal to me generally because it's always from her point of view, it's always from Cassandra's point of view or Cassie's point of view. So, and I don't like necessarily trust her point of view all the time. And her point of view to me is very like theatrical and dramatic. So I feel like in this particular instance, I didn't mind it so much. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Um, well, I have a lot to say, but I want to hear from, from Tyler, Tyler, no background fans first. Um, so, <laughs> Tyler, what did you think about, about this movie? No background. That's my uh, the best middle name that I've got so far from this show. Yeah. Um, is like I uh, this movie was like an emotional roller coaster for me in a very good way. Um, uh, not to get too personal, but there's a lot of stuff in it that is like kind of resonant. Is like with something that is like my it's like uh, I've experienced my life quite recently, mm-hmm. and so there was like a lot of moments in this that I found hard to watch, but in one of the best ways. Um, so I did notice that it was stagey, specifically the dialogue between like the two main characters who is officially the one. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, um, I found like the interactions with the family and like the preparation for this event were just so true to form that, um, yeah, I found it's like, I, I found it difficult to watch at times, but as like mm-hmm. at the end, I found it to be probably one of my 
favorite movie watching experiences that I've had within the last like half a year, perhaps. I, oh, I wow. thought it was I thought it was great. Uh, I was very pleased. Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> I I I have to say. And I mean, we'll, 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 I want to get into this with you, Taylor, um, because like I have to say of the four movies, this one's my favorite by far. And it's not even close to the point that all I was thinking while watching this movie is, wow, could these other directors learn a thing or two from this one? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Honestly, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. the, the three directors we've seen could, could take a class from this one in how to, to put something together. Because, like, I felt this was a very complete movie. Now, there were the little moments that I was like, what is going on? And what is this necessary? But when something is well executed, I forgive a lot of things. And I felt this was well executed. I, I had a similar feeling um, that you did, Tyler, kind of coming out of it at the end of it. I'm like, well, this was like a delightful movie watching experience that I haven't had in a while. And it kind of reminded me of coming out of the screening room, seeing a film that I didn't really know much about, and kind of coming out of it being like, okay. That was nice. That was like a nice film watching experience. This is some of the things that I like about film. This is some of the things that, that can work in it. And for me, this was the best of the of the four. Like we ended on a high note for me because I've been kind of back and forth on a lot of the other movies. I really like this one. Like I really, really enjoyed it. I, I agree that it was probably the best out of the four, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it. <laughs> well, and, that's, and that's fair. I mean, that's fair. I mean, um, like... What did, what did, what did you like about it then, Taylor? Like, if it's the best of the four for you, what what did work for you? I think um, Nicole maybe nailed it on the head last week when she predicted that this would be the most accessible out of the four movies we watched. I would say, aside from the the main character being two characters, without spoiling too much, but I guess we are doing spoilers. Not this, spoiling, yeah, yeah, this yeah we're spoiling. Eight. Yeah, we're spoiling. so are this uh, not. Season, but, uh, season. It yeah. feels like a season. It's felt like a season, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, so, um, for people who have been watching along, they'll know. And people who haven't been watching along but don't want to watch these movies, I'm going to tell you anyways. Um, the main woman, Cassandra, is played by two women who are, it's supposed to reflect her kind of inner turmoil or her inner dialogue. Um, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. What am I doing, Mike? <laughs> I, was, I whatever you felt worked. Oh, for right. You in this movie. Okay. Yeah. So aside from, and that's why I was describing the Cassandra. So, um, aside from the fact that the main character is played by two women, it like is a fairly straightforward narrative. It's a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a, a sudden death in her family, and she's essentially preparing for the funeral. And kind mm. of like reconciling the the kind of her memory of that person and like the reality of it. So like that's a very, in my mind, straightforward story. And it, it tells that story very well. Tyler, I agree with you. Um, it definitely kind of captures that that scramble of kind of figuring things out after someone passes away suddenly. Um, one of my best friends... Um, um, she she had a death in the family um, um, a couple years ago, and um, I, I kind of saw from the outside what she had to go through, and I think the movie really captured that well, that kind of, um, that, that sense that someone has died, but life, life goes on and there's decisions that need to be made um, yeah. and while you're in the middle of grief. So I think that yeah, was, yeah. Clear. sorry, go, sorry, Tyler. Well, yeah, it's it's like the logistic burden uh, on top of the mental one. It's like, yeah. and, um, mm. I felt the movie really captured well, especially like there is like a generational divide between like millennials and like their their parents, which would be like the baby boomer generation. Mm -hmm. And I found that this happened is like uh, whenever there's like this sort of sudden need for a logistics rush the baby boomers are on it. They're like constantly pushing. We need to do this. We need to do this. And that's how they seem to like, like get through it. They compartmentalize, they like run through this list. And then as a millennial, you're kind of left in this moment of like, just wanting to lie in a bathtub of like having this, like yeah. wanting this emotional reckoning that you have no time for because you're busy picking up shrimp trays or like trying to bike across town or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that scene was really much like did that in terms of like you're you're shopping, you've got someone, you have a phone call, you, you know, you run into somebody, you, 
you know, she flirts a little bit with the, with the guy in the, in the store, but then she's kind of back with kind of this discussion between herself. And you can see the overwhelmingness of like, I have things to do yet. The emotion is still here. Like, yeah. I thought that was very well done. Yeah. So I think that did it well. I didn't even really, um, I didn't really have a problem with the fact that the main character is two people and kind of the back and forth um, between them. Um, I don't think you could have maybe you wouldn't have been able to make the movie without that because the whole movie is sort of um, it's Cassandra's story, right? Trying to like um, process her grief of losing her mother. So how would you portray that? without having another character being the sounding board. And I guess they could have yeah. done it by just kind of having a, a fill-in character. But so it wasn't that that I found alienating. I think it really was just like the, the, um, the how acting, it like felt. Yeah. Or, sorry, Nicole. Like that, the way that everything was acted, I guess. Yeah. Like I yeah. found the acting um, not great. And personally, I found the, that sort of um, critique of a certain type of motherhood um, or that the sort of the critique of the patriarchy a little too heavy handed for my Mm -hmm. taste. I'm like, okay, we get it. Like moms had to give up careers. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Like I felt like it was, and I think that's, I don't know, maybe I guess I just have this preconceived notion that that's like what theater is, is that like they tackle these like quote unquote big ideas and they're really like in your face about it, which maybe isn't what theater is like, but because theater has this reputation of kind of being over the top, I felt like I had that over the top sensation with this movie about certain themes where I was like, uh, I could have well, like, I mean, I could have done without personally. Yeah, it- it's a reputation for a reason, right? I mean, a lot of theater does deal with that. And and in terms of like acting style specifically to get technical, yeah, like act overacting you must do because you're you're acting to the yeah. last seat of the house, which is which is like whatever, 200, 300 feet away. Like that's where you're acting to. Whereas on screen, your head's been blown up eight times, 12 times the size that it is and you're acting in a smaller way. So yes, it is very different in that way. I guess... The first point you just brought up before the thing that took you out of it is the reason why the thing that took you out of it didn't bother me is I was so enthralled by this idea of splitting oneself into two and the conversations between yourself and then the moments where this part of yourself is going to lead the conversation or this one is and the other person you're talking to only ever looks at one of you is was I thought so well executed. That everything else that happened, I was willing to kind of just go with the flow and forgive a little bit because there was something about the movie that I thought was executing it perfectly that the acting didn't bother me because I was just like, okay, it's a, it's a little melodramatic in ways, but it's, it's working in terms of the world that they've created. And here you have this really interesting concept that, again, is just so well directed that everything else going on, like I wasn't as crazy about the acting as I was last week because there were things that were working within this. It was moving along so well. It was like a well-oiled machine that every time I was like, okay, which one's going to step forward and talk to this person? Mm-hmm. And and what what was that decision? Why, why was that decision made? And then you see through the dialogue, oh, that's why. And I didn't need to know all the rules of like, cool, wait, is anyone going to look at both of them? Or is it going to ever jump back? But I didn't care because it was so well executed. I don't need to know the rules because you're staying so consistent and you're making it work that as an audience member, I'm just like, cool, this is this is like fun. This is interesting. This is a cool way to look at it. This is something new to bring to the table. So those were the things that I thought kind of outweighed any of the negative things that I was thinking, especially like the weird musical numbers again. I don't know why we have to break into <laughs> musical numbers in every movie, I every was experimental movie. Super into that. I <laughs> yeah, loved <were> you? <laughs> it. Yeah, the one I remember. So it's because I rewatched this movie. Like I hadn't seen it since I saw it in the theater, and I just like couldn't forget the grocery store scene yeah, and just yeah. like the the soundtrack. Like uh, the soundtrack. Fun fact: the soundtrack was um, composed and. And uh, recorded, created by Amy Nosbakken, who pl- is like the tall, the taller of the two Cassandras, and she recorded it in her closet. <laughs> hmm. Ah, um, I'll have another fun fact for you. 
I watched it with subtitles as I always do. And the subtitles were, um, it, it would, it went between short Cassandra and tall Cassandra when (laughs) when they were talking. Really? Yeah. That's great. Be able to, you know, who, which Cassandra's talking short versus tall. So I thought that was really great. Yeah. Taylor, to to address your point about like some of the um some of the points of this movie, like feminism, white feminism, motherhood, it's like being very very heavy handed. I told like upon my rewatch, I didn't I again I didn't remember because like even two years ago I would say this kind of movie wasn't as um like mainstream I would say like now I think that we have more movies that are just like it's just fine for a a movie to be directed by a woman written by a woman talking about like the female experience and like or just an experience in general whereas I felt I feel like this one because the play was written in 2015 I feel like it really had to prove like it's very much of 2018 it's like very much of the me too you know it's like very it it definitely like oh I can I can tell that that this movie was was um when we all started feeling like you know it was okay like to be very overt about these themes and to have to be heavy-handed because there wasn't necessarily as many mainstream movies that did this kind of thing but now because there's so many I think looking at it from a 2020 lens it's like okay like yeah we know like mother's sacrifice like yes that motherhood looks different now you know I just agree the way you even like you're like feminism there's literally a line in the movie where she's like (laughs) it's in the it's in the grocery store scene after she's done like her like the the song Mm -hmm. um and then she's like they're like saying words back and forth to each other to describe the mom and she was like feminist oh i remember and like that. again even like the the volleying of the the of the names back and forth between the two characters i'm like this feels like mrs smith's grade 10 drama class yeah <laughs> like, i feel and that. I, know, like, I know i've been saying this a lot for the experimental film but i'm like i can deliver that line and if like yeah. i can deliver that line like that's not good acting <laughs> So like I like that to me like it put like it put a bad taste in my mouth that they're like feminist c word I'm like oh my gosh is this 2012 like I know this movie was but it is it was written in 2015 and it like came it was filmed in 2017 like and it's and I know it's not even that long ago but it's so of that like yay ladies yes women yes white feminism like that kind even at the end when she's going into the funeral she's like listen like to herself cassie and cassie are talking and it's like you have nothing to worry about you're like i feel like that's the point where the movie stops kind of taking itself seriously it's like why are you overthinking all this like you're a white woman you have no problems your feminism is like feminism you know you know what i mean like it it that's where that's in, in that scene with that particular little bit of dialogue i was like oh okay so now we're going back and like kind of not taking her overthinking as seriously do you know yeah like, is that is that the movie though or the character because to me that was the character having a moment like to me that again i might be completely wrong and and again i'm i'm male so that's fine yeah. i could be wrong here but like i i just looked at that moment as even her friend says to her like you don't know how good you have it mm-hmm. like to me that was more of a, a a breaking moment of the character being like yeah okay i have been a bit of a you know a, bit of a case these these past couple days which is fine i mean just going through something horrible yeah i don't think it negates anything i just think it it, you look back and you're like okay like now i under like not now i understand but now i yeah like she's taking it this is grief this is what grief does to people sometimes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's how yeah yeah. yeah so to me that was like that was the the movie giving the character an arc not the movie being like this was several years ago and like come on like get with the times like I feel like this was the movie giving that character an arc and and a way to finish a way to finish off because I I thought the build-up to the internal fight of literally beating oneself up was was well done like I thought Mm -hmm. that was a well-earned moment for that character Mm -hmm. so that again that was just the way I was looking at it I don't know um Tyler what do you think yeah I was what I loved about this mechanic, like this mechanic of the two characters, was that like it would be so easy to see it going wrong. Like mm. 
there's so many other examples that I can like think of in television or like shows that I've watched where they try this idea of like splitting a character in multiple ways. And it's just like, you know, this is like the dark brooding one. So we're going to dress them all in black and have this like, and it's just like such an obvious archetype of a person as opposed to like this case where like both individuals seem like interesting characters um, contained within the one person. And for me, that kind of split, the purpose of the split was to kind of have this conflict of like how they felt about feminism, but also specifically how they felt about their mother. Um, And I think that's still something that's happening today. We're still going through a time where like we hold, like be it male or female, we hold our parents up as this kind of like standard of what we expect we should be, which is in direct conflict with our modern sensibility of what we now think we should be. And these two sides kind of combating all the time where like I will watch my dad fix something because he's exceptionally handy and think to myself, I should be able to do that. It's like, and it should be me doing that as like the the assigned gender role. But at the same time, it's like knowing in my head, like, no, I don't need to be doing that. Like that doesn't have to be my, my setup. And that kind of conflict I feel isn't just a thing with women though. It is definitely much more highly pressured by society. But I found like it resonated with me as well when I was watching it. And so I felt their kind of their combat, their dialogue, their interactions to be this really as like interesting way of expressing kind of what is like the true divide of our generation of aiming for something that was our parents. while at the same time, feeling like what our parents did wasn't the right way to do it. Yeah, it's kind of like, I feel like Taylor and I have talked about this recently, too, about how we, there's a moment or there's moments in your mid 20s or early 20s, or there's, there's moments like early on in your adult life where you start understanding that your parents are just humans, just kind of like do, who've done the best they could with what they had. And like, and just, just that very realization that they are just human. Mm-hmm. But you know what's annoying? Like a- you know what's annoying, Nicole? I don't what's feel that? like Cassandra came to that realization. Like her whole huh. like she was like railing against the fact that like her mom gave up her career. I guess because I the way I watched the movie was that tall Cassandra was like Cassandra and then short Cassandra was like the voice like her internal monologue. And mm-hmm. so like I felt like tall Cassandra was there's a point where even like short Cassandra is like you're being a bitch like yeah. about mom and I think it's true like I feel like she she was still at the end of the movie kind of judging her mom for the decisions she made anyways maybe this is just a conversation well, Nicole and I can have off air <laughs> but like I felt like one I guess I felt like the kind of the realize like the what Tyler and Nicole are saying about how like we realize that we can be different than our parents but es- essentially realizing that our parents did the best they could with what they had I think that's like a general that's what people in their 20s have to come to the realization like our parents made choices that we wouldn't necessarily agree with, but they made them within the context of the time. I don't think Cassandra felt that way, but her mom. <laughs> I think, I think one she of them was did. like, I do mom- think one of them did. Yeah, I think I, I completely interpreted this film differently than all three of you. Mm-hmm. Tyler, finish your thought. <laughs> I, was, I was just going <laughs> to say that I, I didn't see it as like kind of it was one of them and then the other one was a background. And that's what I really liked about it is that it wasn't like we have one person in the foreground and one person in the background is like they were switching back and forth. And you can see the moment, the moment in the movie where they show that they're going to do this is when her brother shows up for the first time and describes how he found their mother. And the tall Cassandra responds with this kind of like, oh, don't tell me that. And then she sees the response. And then the other Cassandra steps forward to provide the kind of like emotional support. And you can can see this moment of like a switching. There's a swapping back and forth between who's driving and who isn't. And like, yeah, the I think the crux of the film, like the big argument at the end, tall Cassandra is driving through most of it because she's the one that's having the hardest time reconciling this. But I think it all comes to this great head at the very last line of the movie, which is, is they, I, they thank their mother for giving her a voice and they're still trying to figure out how to use it. And that is like, I think that kind of message of like, I was given a whole lot by my parents, some great, some bad, and I'm still trying to figure out how to synthesize that into the best version of a person that I can be. Um, if that's not what your 20s are for, then I don't know what it's, what it's for. Yeah, 
I, I, I also felt like Tyler similarly. I didn't, I, I didn't necessarily feel like there was one like real Cassandra and one kind of internal speaking Cassandra. I did feel like they, I, I did feel like and it's so funny the first time I did see this movie I was very tempted to do that and then I just realized that like it just didn't serve me as an audience member it didn't serve the plot either if I if I had grouped one of them into like subconscious Cassandra and conscious Cassandra because then nothing then I feel like I'd be missing the point I guess if that's if that makes sense so I I didn't I I felt similarly like I, I thought that it was pretty seamless and did pretty well but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Well, I I definitely saw it closer to to that where where these were two these were two halves of the whole. Um, you know the 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 are we going with tall and short? Is that how we're? Dis- <laughs> Seems to be. Whatever. That's how my so, subtitles so. did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we have the sort of tall side, which is is you know maybe a little more. Uh, uh, commanding and outgoing and, and has confidence and, and, you know, is more likely to, to throw the joke in, even if the joke's not going to work and is kind of like that personable person. And then you've got kind of the shorter one who's, who wants to, you know, fit in the space and, and fit into this hug and be a little more emotional and, you know, you know, have that nice moment with the brother. And, and like, I just saw everything leading up to this internal, physical battle inside the brain where the one side could physically not approach that podium without the other one to give Mm -hmm. the speech Mm -hmm. like the two had to come together to consolidate to speak and you had to you know almost try to unite yourself in that moment which is very tough which is very hard which is to me the struggle that goes through is you've got these two warring halves when something happens something emotional has happened you've got these two halves that are conflicting when the, when that emotional thing doesn't isn't there the two halves were still there right they were st- like that i liked how we got to see the moments before the phone call at the beginning of the movie where mm-hmm. you see they're you know they're partying and doing whatever and then they sleep and they wake up and they pick up their phone and and it's like you've always got these two sides of you these always got these different aspects of you that for the most part are not in in conflict until something happens until the play begins until the story begins where something emotional has happened and the only way like they started together and they ended together and they couldn't they couldn't do do it without the other person like i was really focusing on that that internal battle and that struggle and those moments where each side were leading the conversation and taking the lead that um i kind of i mean i I get the the parent thing but i kind of like passed over that almost i was really focused on this internal battle and being like oh this is like a really interesting way to to look at this um and that was that was kind of my prime focus because when we get down to the end of the movie i thought everything really led to to that internal battle fight moment and i I thought it was really well done like it just it just felt good but but again i get what everyone's saying and it makes sense and all of that was there and i definitely got all those things in but i guess i was just so focused on this that i thought the that point was also coming through very strong for me of, of these two sides of you and how they bringing that together in some way is important in order to, to get to this really important moment. I also saw it. I don't know if this is like stretching a little far, but um, on my rewatch, I saw it like as a mother daughter love story almost like mm-hmm. um, they, I, I just like, cause there's nobody in, I, I don't know about you all, but there's nobody more in my life that can actually make me more angry or more emotional than my own mother. So I feel like that I felt like they were kind of similar in that way. It's like the mother daughter relationship, like really elicits an emotional and like not even mother daughter. I mean, in this movie specifically, but it could be with like a father and a daughter like any kind of a parent-child relationship would be you elicit such a reaction out of each other and you're so easily um at least this movie you're so easily uh reactive to that person that you're always kind of oscillating between being annoyed by them and then being like enthralled by them so I felt like this movie did that well as well especially when she's kind of going back 
I took the flashback moments of the young Cassandra um, as going back in her memory and like thinking of what, you know, her mother used to do with her. And I, I felt like that was kind of like, these are the moments when I remember that I really was into my mom. And then as she gets older, you know, like the, at the Christmas party, these are the moments that like my mom really pushed my buttons. And I, I did feel like it did a good, the movie did a good job of trying to make sense of those moments. And like, so that's, that's to me where it, the love story part comes in, but I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. I think you're, you're right on with that one. And to like, kind of uh, put those two, like Mike and yours thoughts together, like it's, it is interesting to have this kind of like love story with the mother and how everything you're doing in the moment when you're preparing for this funeral is reminding you of her, like every, mm-hmm. every like little bit and piece, like unlocks some or evokes some memory. Mm-hmm. And to like think about how they're using the one character versus the other, like when they when they decide that this person's going to speak or this one. Uh, there's one flashback where if it like zooms in on Tall Cassandra's face as the flashback's beginning, so you know it's her having the flashback. And throughout the scene, we see her annoyed with her mother, and then afterwards looking and being kind of like sympathetic for her. And so when we come out of the flashback, we're zooming out of short Cassandra's face, it's like to kind of like show this like. Even within the flashback, we're having this transition of how she feels about her. Yeah. Um, and it's such like a... So that's why when... I think you're very right, uh, Mike, that it's like everything's leading towards this conflict. But for me, that conflict was like inextricably linked to how they felt about their it's like their mother and how they were expected to feel. So that you even get like the question, like the things about remembering the her mom reading her Beauty and the Beast, and the one has like the very stereotypical now response of like oh Stockholm syndrome, like this is like a terrible, it's like a story, mm-hmm. and the other one kind of be like I like being a princess, and like kind of how those two <laughs> things can exist in the same person, mm-hmm. um, and like and be at odds with each other, but then still be part of the same consciousness. Um, so let's let's hear from a couple of our fans because we did have a few people uh, write in to comment on this. So we'll see kind of where they agree. I will say that uh, so far it's a pretty mixed response oh. to what people have sent in. Um, but as as I said um, to all of you, and, and just so our listeners know, we had to record this a little earlier than we planned. So um, I will be updating. Uh, as we get closer to to showtime, the the actual amount of votes that came in. So we have we have some sense of it right now, but we'll have to update that um, a little bit later, both on social media and at the end of this episode. Um, but we will hear from a couple of people who did wrote in. So first we had Lily who wrote in, um, who says, uh, "I didn't skip what did Jack do, but I felt like I really didn't have anything to say about it. <laughs> I love the discussion you all had, though. Uh, I also love when Mike gets all worked up and shows some passion." <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> I don't know why she said show some passion. I think I should passion. Just that robot <laughs> um, she says, as for mouthpiece, though, I really loved it. Um, I thought there were some really strong moments. Uh, I simply love the music and the general amb- ambience that the movie had. I really like mu- how music is used in a lot of films. So that's something I often look for. It felt very real, but also dreamlike all at the same time. I couldn't keep my eyes off the movie, and I think that was the way it was shot and the way that the music was used um, throughout the film. For me, music in a film can really add to a story or take away from it if done very poorly. The music and mouthpiece was uh, both present but not at the same time. It added to what I saw visually, but it never really took away from any moment. It enhanced it. This is something that I noticed has been an issue for me with a lot of experimental films, but this one seemed to do it very well. It's a see it for me for sure. Nice. So Lily talking about the use of music within in that. How did everybody feel about the music and how it was used? Loved it. Yeah, I have a hard time remembering the music exactly because um, I think I was so focused on the visuals. Is uh, it's like it is really well shot. Like in terms of the like the actual conversational portions, they're good. But like even just like sh- the shooting of Toronto itself um, as a setting when you're going through just everything seems so appealing. It was one of the first times I've ever looked at a movie set in Toronto and thought of it as home, which is like, mm. for me, I've been here now for a year. And it was like the first time that I actually caught myself thinking of it that way. And so I think it was a mixture of the visuals, but also the music that was playing during that time that created this kind of feeling. Um, Very romantic, isn't it? Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah. yeah, it looks nice. I, I want to live there. <laughs> Some of the, I, I think, um, un- 
here's a little her smell. Um, in her smell, there was kind of like that. <laughs> I knew it. Ambient, I knew it. There was kind of that like ambient music that like kind of like got on your nerves. Whereas like in this film, and I agree with Lily, um, there was sort of this like humming that was kind of the soundtrack to the film. Um, and then you realize at the end, it like tied all the pieces together that the humming was her mom humming because she used to hum her to sleep when she was like a, a toddler. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. So I'm with Lily. I thought that the music, aside from, I don't really know how I feel about the two musical numbers just yet. <laughs> you know, Mike, isn't it funny? Yeah. You saw, you reviewed, um, Oh, what was that movie from the Kingston author? I'm thinking of ending things. I th- I'm thinking of ending yeah, things had a, ending had a musical yeah. number. And then that yes, French movie I watched the same week also had a musical number. Yes. So <laughs> clearly 2020 is the year of movies with um, musical numbers to review. But anyway, I the musical number. Yeah. <laughs> unlike oh. the um, French movie I watched, which I thought the, like the musical number was like really, um, out of place i didn't like that at all i i'm kind of undecided on this movie i don't really know just how i feel about those numbers yet but overall i thought that the soundtrack and the kind of the musical scoring was really good um so i'm with lily on that one i yeah i didn't i didn't really notice it so i wasn't again i wasn't really paying attention to it but i guess that's also a good thing in terms of there, there definitely wasn't anything in this that was like that's an annoying noise or an annoying something or the music comes in at a really weird time which i have noticed with some of these other films that we reviewed so yeah i didn't uh, i didn't dive into this but that's that's good i'm glad that lily brought that up um it's definitely a part of it right music's a big part of film and creating that atmosphere mm-hmm. um the next one came from austin um who says i can say with confidence that i skipped uh what did jack do uh however i went back to watch it after listening to this episode I just uh, wanted to see uh, what exactly got everybody so worked up about this movie. Uh, So when I went back to watch What Did Jack Do? I kind of had a lot of fun with it, actually. So I kind of agreed. I thought it was a fun movie. Uh, Nothing to get worked up about. Okay. (laughs) I wasn't that worked up. (laughs) You you described yourself as sweating and at one point got up to go get a drink of water throughout. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I'm going to have to do that again. The club keeps going after me. For that. Um, but anyway, uh, Austin continues and says he was really, I'm very surprised about how much I liked Mouthpiece. When the movie started, I didn't think I was going to like it, but I actually ended up enjoying it by the end. I thought that uh, I, oh, uh, I'm not going to pretend uh, that I know everything that's going on in these types of films. I actually have a problem sometimes with some of the imagery and trying to follow exactly what the director wanted. But when I was watching this, I did feel like I watched this movie in a different way. I was caring a lot more about what was happening. I was feeling the emotions that was going on screen, and I thought it was very well done. I went to the movie not knowing much about it, but again, I thought I had a lot of fun with it, just like I did with What Did Jack Do? So I'm glad that this movie was the last one in this uh, film club for me. I really thought the Mel's piece was going to be not my thing, but I had a lot of fun with it in the end. I would definitely give it a stream it. So there you go. That's Austin's thoughts on the film. Sweet. Nice. There was nothing to get worked up about last week. With what? <laughs> I'm with Austin. I disagree. I disagree. And something you said, Taylor, today almost got me worked up, but I stopped myself. Yeah. Because if you're going to criticize the acting in this movie, how could you possibly criticize it's Mouth? so different. Like, what did you So different. But, okay, again, stylistically, sure. But, like, what did Jack do had bad acting in it even within the style they were trying to do this. Yes. Mouthpiece had a bit of, you know, off acting. It wasn't quite a hundred percent what I think you were looking for, but I honestly didn't think there was a lot of bad acting in this, in this movie. Did like I call bad? it bad though? Like, I don't think I no, called it bad. Call it I just bad. called it theater acting, which like, I don't like. <laughs> like well, you said, the, you said, the, the, no, not the mom, someone, you said someone, you were like, this is bad because if I can say the line, Oh, it was the bad. feminist line. Hmm. But like I still I still stand behind that. Like that delivery was bad. <laughs> I would take one bad delivered line over everything that David Lynch said. And what but I guess like said. the thing is like I being familiar with his body of work, 
Like, to me, that's just, like, a Lynch staple. And, like, it makes sense in the universes that he builds. Whereas, like, theater acting is theater acting. And I just don't care for it. Very um, specific. Yeah. Very, like, like it's a vibe, as the kids say today. <laughs> or a mood, as it's the mood. kids used yeah, to it's say. Mood. I just right. feel like it's very, like, they are saying lines. They are announcing. Like, they're, like, yeah. No, like it's it doesn't feel natural the way that they talk in the way that they were doing it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that got you upset, Mike, but I stand behind it. Well, it's, I'm not I, 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 I respect the opinion. I just I don't I don't get where where you're coming from mindset wise when you have a film last week that yes is different and I get David Lynch has a different style to him. They are using the same medium, which is the medium of film. Like if we're gonna get into this no. again, we'll get into it again. No. They're, they're using the same medium to mm-hmm. to tell a story, and and we're gonna be like, okay, there's bad acting and, and mouthpiece. Yeah, okay, it's a little stagey. It, there was definitely acting in it where I get what you're saying, where it's like, okay, that was a little bit much on a stage that probably wouldn't resonate in the same way as it does on film. Okay, I'm will I'm willing to say that that's that that's I would agree with that statement, but like I I just I don't. I don't see how that can can sort of color the your opinion of the movie overall, where everything else seemed to be working within it, and those moments that you're bringing up seem so inconsequential to everything else that was going on. But I which, think which you, where... what you're not like appreciating, you are appreciating the fact that we have a different differing opinion. But like we we obviously. Um, approach film with different rules or you know different expectations so i won't go i think no matter what we say to each other we're not going to change our opinions <laughs> but i think at the end of the day is just you know i went in to a david lynch movie knowing that it was going to be a david lynch movie and nothing in that movie happened that I was like wow that was weird or off-putting because I was operating within his world world building whereas like in this movie I went in thinking okay it's going to be like a more or less traditional narrative yes we have like the two actresses playing one character but otherwise like pretty normal but then you give me like stage acting and so like that took me out of the experience yeah, I think this this movie club has been interesting in many reasons, but one of them has been it's like a a very like succinct example of how like most of the time we get out of movies what we bring into it. Like what we're what we walk into a movie with is like does more to decide if we're going to enjoy it than almost anything that happens between start and stop. Um like for instance, I had I had wondered last week like afterwards if that wasn't a movie by David Lynch, if it was exactly the same but it wasn't directed or starring David Lynch. Like, would people have given it the time of day? I think so many people is like, uh, give him as like a kind of free reign because it's like, oh, that's just how David Lynch rolls. And like, someone else could have done this. And because we're not, he's not, it's not associated with a, a brilliant mind, ways like people would have dismissed it. Otherwise, yeah. I, do, I think I might have actually enjoyed uh, What Did Jack Do more as like if it, it wasn't David Lynch because I would have as like written it off as similarly like a quirky little interesting thing as opposed to I think I went into it with like Mulholland Drive's weight behind it right and was on and was surprised to find what I did um so I, I do I do yeah. find that interesting what do other people think about that kind of idea well, that's to me isn't that part of what like not just film like it's all arts isn't that just part of what makes art art is like you are bringing in these different perspectives especially when there's an an something built around an individual like david lynch has a style so you're you're willing to accept it it'd be the same as any director who actually has a style there's i think there's just uh, only a handful of them who do it consistently and well and david lynch would be one of them and like wes anderson would be another one mm-hmm. where there's lots of things that other people would do that wes anderson does where other people would be like that was really weird but in wes anderson it works and in david lynch then for people who like his work would also work so i think that that is that's pretty on the nose to me of, of what makes art art. Why I think it's worth discussing is because I think you can discuss art like you can discuss anything and you don't have to change anyone's opinion on it. But I do think it's fun and interesting to to be able to reinforce why you think something. Why do you like this? Why does it work for you? Why doesn't it work for you? And to see what an opposing 
opinion is on it. But I do agree with you can bring in a lot of your own expectations and thoughts and, and ideas of even what a person is. Who is David Lynch and who what is this narrative? And I think that was interesting, Taylor, when you said you went into this thing, OK, it's going to be a more traditional narrative. So variations from that would obviously be less welcome by you if your expectation was traditional narrative. So to see acting that was like took you out of it, it makes sense to me why it would. It was the same of for me going into what the Jack do, seeing the bad acting was like, whoa, this is taking me out of the moment because I didn't think the world was built as strongly as it was in Mouthpiece. Yeah. I don't know. I just am at the end of the day, not a fan of theater acting. But I think I would have liked it better if it was delivered in a more naturalistic way. Like, to me, honestly, at the end of the day, that was the biggest thing. That and kind of the 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 themes, right? Like that. But Nicole says that they were writing for during a certain time period. Maybe I'm giving myself too much credit, but I think between 2015 and 2018, I was already having those... <laughs> conversation so I think 2018 Taylor probably would have had a similar opinion that she does now in 2020 um yeah so I don't know like I think like Tyler said like when we go in with certain expectations and certain likes and dislikes it really only takes one thing to kind of throw throw um the train off the rails right like it just wasn't a movie that I particularly enjoyed given those two things. But that's yeah. not to say other people won't enjoy it. Yeah. Well, and, and it's why movies like this have such mixed responses too. Like you even, even review reviews, you often see things that are like, they're either reviewed very, very well or very, very poorly. There's not a lot of middle ground. I, I find in certain films. And I think this is kind of why, Yeah, because if you are coming from that mindset, those things of course would throw it off the rails for you because it's not, it's not a, what you were expecting. It's B not you were, what you were prepared for, which to me is still a big part of what makes art so fascinating to me. You know, I, I, that's why I've studied theater. That's why I was interested in it is because I, I thought that audience interaction and perspective was so strange and unique and interesting that four people can watch one thing and kind of come out of it with four unique perspectives. Yeah. And that's definitely what's happened throughout the course of this, this movie club. I think we've never had a consensus. Um, and you is like, uh, I think the closest we probably came, this actually might be the closest we've come so far to a consensus. Um, but it is, there's something interesting to be said. Like I used to think a lot about that, about like, what's the difference between like a, um, a preference in art and a bias. Um, and I think there there isn't really one like we're a lot of us are uh, we've kind of trained ourselves accidentally to respond to certain things based off of what we see. Um, I liked this. Therefore, I'll like it again when I see it again. Um, it's something very uh, interesting if like to be able to push and be able to experience something unique or experience something that's different than what you've usually seen. And to actually have an initial positive reaction to it. It's very rare for me to have that. But those are the type of movies that I like to come back to later. Because once the initial shock of like, what was that wears off. Then maybe once you go back to it again, it'll be a little bit more palatable. Um, so hopefully people who haven't liked these movies, maybe will be able to revisit them sometime in the near to not too distant future. And get something more out of them. And Nicole, you said this is your second watch. Like this is a revisit for you. Yeah, I think I've seen pretty much all these movies that we've, except for What Did Jack Do? I've seen them all, and the rewatch has really solidified that my taste has changed since I first watched every single one of them. Whether or not that's like, you know, I will also say that I, I come at it from like, and I know this sounds tired, but it has to be said, I come at it from like a fe queer female lens, and since that I do watch things differently like it's just that's just that's just how I approach things and even coming from the lens that I'm watching mouthpiece through now versus what I was watching it through in 2018 was completely different so yeah there were things that I forgave a lot last time I like the first time I watched it that I wouldn't that that would probably bother me today like if I just watched mouthpiece I don't know that I would like it as much as I did because of like what exactly what Taylor's saying the themes 
that are so heavy handed in this movie that were very much of the mainstream of the time, like whether, you know, Taylor, like you and I could have those, that discussion a few years ago, but I wouldn't even say it was necessarily like a thing that was ever present in mainstream art, like for everybody to watch. Um, and now it's just like, yeah, I've been talking about like, I've been reckoning with like what it means to be a woman and what it means to be a mother in this world for two more additional years since I've seen this. And now I'm tired of what, like I, I've moved on. So you, it just, what you say, Tyler and, and, and Mike, like, yeah, you completely nailed it. Like everybody's coming in with different and yeah, different biases, different points in life. And that's just a lesson to be learned with the movie club, I guess. Yeah, no, and 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 the show in general. I mean, that's to me at least. This is still why I wanted to have this show to begin with, is because I want I wanted to, to be like really blunt and frank. I want to talk about movies the same way people talk about sports. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about movies the same pe- way people debate about politics and things that are maybe more important in a lot of ways. But movies and art and film have the ability to to shape opinions and have the ability to to you can look at it like just nicole just said i think that's a great example two years removed two years later you look at something completely different and i think that's completely really i I think that's really neat like good or bad i i i'm gonna still say i think that's neat i think that's great i think that's a growth thing and i think that's something that art has that a lot of other things in life that people love and talk about don't um, and, and that's the, you know, that's the movie club I think does this very well. I, I felt like the four of us were discussing this, these movies, these past four weeks in the same way that, that four insiders go on television and debate and talk about sports each week. And that like, to me, that's fascinating that you, that you can break things down and discuss it and have different opinions and thoughts. And I loved hearing everyone's perspective, especially someone saying i i just rewatched this from a few years ago and my opinions changed i think that's like i i, I don't know maybe i'm getting too excited now i think that's good i think that's <laughs> you're really getting passionate cool mike like this. <laughs> I know, this is no, passionate no, but it is, in a good way it is shocking because like so much of what i completely missed like on on my first watch of under the skin of neon demon of mouthpiece like it just stares at you right in the face the second time and you're like oh my god like the myself two years ago likes this or myself two years ago thought this about this what the heck like it's almost like a completely different person watch and like in two more years i'm sure i'm not going to like mouthpiece very much like i think i don't even want to rewatch it anymore because this rewatch actually like it took away some of what I really enjoyed about it. But yeah. yeah. Um, so just as we're, we're coming to the end here, let's just give our quick uh, rating of the film, like how, how you rate this. So let's just, Tyler, let's start with you. Um, what would you give the film? I'd give it a see it. Like, uh, yeah, as I said, I, I thought it was amazing. I really enjoyed the emotional journey. It like, uh, went on. Um, I thought it was mechanistically very sound, very well as like put together. And uh, for me, because like I am like I'm not like a woman, I always enjoy having these type of experiences like and going through because I think that movies have this capacity to be able to show you things that you can't get in your everyday life, perspectives that you can't possibly achieve, and uh, so seeking them out is uh, is I think an important thing as a responsible moviegoer. <laughs> yeah, um, I I would I would also give it a see it, uh, Taylor. Um, mine's a stream it, if only for you to spot the Degrassi Next Generation alumni. Um, I won't spoil oh. that one, but all mo- all movie, I thought, wow, they look so familiar. I cannot place it. And then I was like, haha, Degrassi Next Generation. So God love um Canadian and Toronto cinema because you're probably gonna run into a Degrassi person um but no all kidding aside I think it does um have a it was an interesting film and it's worth checking out again if only to maybe experience a movie that you haven't experienced before um it was interesting to have those two actresses um so it's it's a stream it Nicole it's a see it for me that's all. It's a see. I, 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 I'm always here for uh, uh, 
a woman-directed, written movie and anything set in Toronto. So right there, I'm coming at it from a bias. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but hey, all, all good points. And again, I, I want to repeat it again because I meant what I said because I really pay attention to directing. I thought it was extremely well-directed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kudos to the director from Kingston. Didn't Yay! know that, but great. Yeah, yeah, very, very good job. Um, we are at the end of the episode and at the end of our movie club. We made it. We got there. Um, Nicole, Tyler, thank you so much for joining us for this. This is, It was fantastic to have both of you here. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it was oh, an no, absolute absolutely. pleasure. Yeah, it was. Really. Uh, you're both welcome back anytime. Um, as far as I'm concerned, maybe Taylor feels differently, but I <laughs> would love to no, have I, you No, I like the break, there. by all means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you're both welcome back to the show anytime. Any ideas you have, uh, you're welcome back at any point. Uh, I'd love to have you both uh, again. So th- thank you both for, for being here. Um, Taylor, uh, we're, we're coming to the end here. Next week, we're going to do a mailbag episode yeah. to, to bring everybody back to mailbag. It's going to be a lot of fun. So in the meantime, go stream some movies. Thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. Recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.